wonder what I'm going to say on my intros. I want to exit from this despair. I want to also give a warning to other creatives. Create like it's your last. Because with the reversal of role, they're not going to stop there. If you have something meaningful to say that is going to shed light and bring happiness to the world, you better do it before the conservatives decide. And that's how I want to begin my day every day, creating something new, interesting, and that's educating and expand the world instead of bringing darkness. That's right, y'all. I am back and recording. I'm absolutely happy with how much my podcast has taken off in the last few months. Thanks to the help from Brighton Media, I'm just grateful for Noah and his team there. And I'm thankful to all of the listeners in Brazil, of all places, and Uh, Germany, and all across the United States. Y'all are making this glow up thing a reality, and I'm grateful to it. I will be over 20,000, well, excuse me, let me stop lying. Oops, 19,000 downloads, well on my way to 20. My glow up continues, and I'm eternally grateful to everyone that's listening. But keep listening and tell a friend. Since I've been back from Virginia Beach, I have to go back another time before Christmas will probably be the next time I'm in town. Next time I'll be in town, we'll be solidifying the clothes out or the final um, uh, selling of my father's house. So I inherited uh, a good bit of money. Thanks. Uh, as well as a bunch of records by from my father he who was a dj through most of my life up until uh i believe the early 2000s maybe and i was like what else can i do with these records and i realized that I knew this was it. Oh, my God. Um, And I've started sorting the records. And I am now going to continue um, a whole new addition to my podcast called I Want My Daddy's Records. It's all, all part of the whole Quark's Bar thing because people go to Quark's Bar not only to have great cocktails and premium booze, they also go to listen to great music. At least that's why my father was such a successful DJ. Jones Bar and then his own bar, I don't recall the name of it, but there you go. I think, and I also wanted a way to be able to share my love of the music that he loved there he had thousands of records i think i may have bought home just a couple of hundred but he had a very eclectic taste um he has representation 
from the 60s as well as through the 2000s. I have original pressings of a lot, basically all of Prince as well as Michael Jackson on vinyl, and I'm grateful for that. I'm not so much into CDs, um, and I think the music, music does sound different, even if you have Beats headset, it does still sound significantly different. And I was wondering, because I kept looking at this section, I'm going to do, um, I'm going to primarily talk about groups, family groups. Um, and I'm starting off with the Pointer Sisters. And I was looking at this album from 1978. It's a 45, 12 inch. And it is Fire, I believe it was written by Bruce Springsteen, but performed by the Pointer Sisters on Planet Records. And I had to pull it up in my Apple Music, and it is the song that I thought. Fire in your car. And that's all I'm going to sing because I don't want y'all to turn it off because I can't sing. But anyways, so this is what I'm going to talk about. um, The Pointer Sisters. There's a lot of stuff on their wiki that I didn't know. The current members are, I believe, are the children and the grandchildren of the original Pointer Sisters, Anita, Bonnie, and June. They started performing back in the clubs in 69, and then they grew to a quartet in 72. Bonnie left the group for a solo career with modest success. Sister, I believe, June struggled with drug addiction much throughout her career. She left the group back in 2004, passed away 2006 from cancer at the age of 52. 2016, Billboard magazine ranked them as the 80th most successful dance artist of all time. 93rd, they've won a bunch of Grammys. Um, once they changed labels and they got their own sound. Of course, they're children. They're preacher's kids. And of course, of course, they're Kojic, formerly of Kojic in West Oakland. I think that is wild. They were told it was the devil's music, um, but they had their own sound. And obviously, they were very, very talented. We know, I know and remember their songs when they had a resurgence in the 80s uh, from Automatic and Jump, Jump for my love. He's so shy. Dun, 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 dun. He's so shy. My eye. Oh, yes. Yes, I will. And Fire by Bruce Springsteen, uh, that was released 
in 77 was probably one of their highest selling singles. And I just bring them up because their whole career, with the exception of one of the members having their solo career, they spent as a family group. I'm sure, I don't know if there is, it seemed, I don't know if there is like a story about the Pointer Sisters out there or in the planning, but I think it would be fascinating to learn coming up from their church group roots in Kojic and their success. Um, and I haven't heard anything else about them, even though I'm sure the girls are still touring. Um, it seems like a lot of their success uh, was written by the great Bruce Springsteen. I mean, why wouldn't it be? But they performed the hell out of there, had their own sound, had their own music. And it was they always had a bop. So and that's what I remember from them from the 80s. So even though my chords are all off key, I hope you enjoy and would find fascinating the their lives in music as fascinating as I find them listening to them now. Music has a way of taking you and elevating you and just make you forget things. And I think my father understood that more than anything. As I'm dealing with his death in my own way, I feel that I have this connection with him basically through his the music. And he left behind so much music I sat in that garage with a fan blowing dust around and feeling that he had a very eclectic taste in music. A lot of the artists I did not recognize. However, I feel that it would be a disservice to him because I'm looking at hundreds of thousands, like thousands of maybe a thousand dollars or so worth of records just by number if I if he if I sold each one of them for a dollar, I would have a thousand dollars. It would be a disservice to him to just get rid of his records. So for all of the records that we don't. For whatever reason, we um, my half brother doesn't take. I'm going to have to do the honor and I'll keep them. I'll store them. I mean, they meant something to him. And I think by me reintroducing them to the world, the world will be able to enjoy the music just like I do. And I think that's why, even though all of the members of this next group that I'm going to talk about were not brothers, the Levert, which is another R&B group, the two of Eddie Levert and Gerald Levert were brothers. Um, but it was obvious that my dad loved music. I mean, the DJ equipment, he kept it till everything basically got ate up by bugs or whatever. But I wish we could have had or been friends enough or I could have trusted him enough to basically share my own love of music. Might be doing the research for groups like this. Um, 
I did not know, finding out things that I did not know and rediscovering music that I used to bop to as a kid and also finding the same music and get hopefully they'll get their Skrilla when I get this sync license so I can enjoy it with you guys too. Until then, you can navigate to my playlist, I Want My Daddy's Records, and stream these um, to number one, just like they stream Mariah Carey's um, All I Want for Christmas to number one every year. But Levert basically started back in 58. They were known as the mascots and the triumphs. Then they started um, and then the miracles, not of the Smokey Robinson fame. They their debut album coming through was released uh, and got hit the first um, on the Billboard Hot 100. Frankie Little joined the group in the 60s. He worked as a songwriter and as a guitarist. And I found out his remains, he disappeared in 1982. Um, and they didn't discover, it took a, a forensic anthropologist to figure out who he was, probably by also DNA. Oh, this was recent, this was last year, in 2021. Uh, blunt force trauma, stab wounds, and there his murder is still um, open. Um, I love this group because there's certain songs that I'd forgotten that they uh, had were were basically um, this group's claim to fame and, and beyond. They actually are still touring. They're playing tonight at the Orpheus in Memphis. This is one time that I wish I, wish I did live in Memphis because I think I'm missing so much great music and the um, Made in Memphis studios is there. Um, I've been bopping to Love Train. People all around the world join hands and start love train and then um backstabbers and then for the love of money they would go on and top the charts back even as soon as 2004 they get inducted into the Uh, 2005 Rock and Roll of um, Fame. I'm going to have to watch The Fighting Temptations from 2003, of course, because Beyonce is in it, but they also were in that movie, too. They also... They have a... Oh, there was a copyright violation when the... Canadian industry minister Jim Prentice used the song without the group's permission, so he had to come up off the cash. 2009, they got a Lifetime Achievement Award. Oh, that, I'm going to have to find that. I'll probably, if I'm going to actually look up that performance um, from 2009 when Tevin Campbell, Trey Songs, Tyrese, and Johnny Gill. 
perform a medley of their songs. I bet that was amazing. There was a 2008 fire where a lot of their masters were destroyed. And the list goes on and on. Their awards are many. What is this? Used to be, used to be my girl. Used to be my girl. They got a whole bunch of gold hits. Um, message in the music, emotionally yours, family reunion, for the love of money. A lot of these songs uh, have played on reality TV shows. They've gotten platinum status, um, including. Copies of Ship Ahoy, Family Reunion, Identify Yourself, and So Full of Love. I just think this group, even with Levert, this group is just one, uh, probably one of the most prolific and successful groups uh, from uh, the R&B era. And they have the bops, which would make their songs so danceable and I can understand why any DJ worth his snuff would actually play this music. So with that said, oh, Eddie Vert kind of old too. He's like almost 80. Look out for him. But I'm just saying, again, their music elevates your soul and you can't help but. So you may notice that I'm trying to sort through all of these groups and you will notice that I added Harold and the Blue Notes. No, it appears that none of these mugs are related, but I added them because If You Don't Know Me By Now is on not only on Daddy's Records, uh, playlist, but I also added it to my father's uh, funeral or memorial service playlist. But I did find that they, like the OJs, are a part of that R&B sound uh, out of Philadelphia because they had some of the same songwriters. But also, Teddy Pendergrass is probably I did not know he was brought on as a drummer for the group back in 1970 before he went um, um, had an explosive career as a um, solo artist. And that's why I included them. And they also remade uh, Thelma Houston, Don't Leave Me This Way. Uh, I will probably be adding that to um, the playlist too. And we also remember uh, Teddy Pendergrass's joy after he almost, his life was almost ended by a car accident back in 1982. Joy, joy be here with you. Won't you hear with me? Oh, definitely adding that. And he also performed in the Live Aid concert in 85. (coughs) Although none of these guys are 
are um they don't they don't perform together anymore they all the group as well as Teddy Pendergrass um are a chosen family and they made it to the list because it is obvious that my father also admired them so let me go ahead and add that right quick joy joy do 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 won't you hear me teddy pendergrass oops there you go there we go add to playlist i want my daddy's records i already got um Harold and the Blue Notes on that, as well as, let's see, wake up everybody, dun, 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 dun. they did that one too, I didn't know that, they also, uh, rounded out, they basically, uh, alternated members of the group oh and Pendergrass actually died wait a minute how did he die I thought he died of like pneumonia yep he died of respiratory failure he survived colon cancer and, and respiratory failure um, took him out Um, their hits have been re-recorded by the likes of David Ruffin. I think he was at Temptations. Simply Red, Jimmy Somerville, Sybil, The Three Degrees, and John Legend. Wow. And then Sean Blockers featuring Gucci Man. Oh, that's funny. I miss you. <laughs> For, and Big Boy used that too. Every, like, everything is never really new. It's just a remix of the greats. And people seem to have an ear for the remixes so I find that um rich you know what I mean so what what song was I looking up y'all I was actually looking up the remix for Thelma Houston don't leave me this way let me see which one they have Don't leave me this way. Let's see. On Apple, they have... It looks like everybody, um, including the communards. And, but let's see what how this one sounds. By Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. I like better. I don't think I like that one. This does have that really vibey, um, groove that you would expect from Harold, Melvin, and the Blue Notes. So I'll add that one. I don't think I even like any of the remixes from Thelma Houston, but 
don't know. Maybe I'm holding something against that lady. But anyways, going on to probably one of the biggest um, groups. Uh, ever the Jacksons and I added those and I don't think I can really add anything that anybody would ever know um, or ever experience you know through either listening to any biographies the books uh, I mean who doesn't know the Jacksons who doesn't know that Michael Jackson is probably one of the greatest entertainer or is the greatest entertainer to ever live he had his issues and I, I just think that starting at the age of five performing, uh, being signed with Motown, being groomed by Diana Ross and Barry Gordy. He couldn't help but to be great. And the abuse basically propelled him um, to greatness. I just, it's just mind boggling. If he had not been beaten to the top, how much longer would he have lived? Because even though he was the greatest entertainer ever, this is Michael Jackson that is, how far he would have lived longer. He would not have had insomnia. He would have not had to get general anesthesia just to go to sleep. I realize that I'm looking at the Off the Wall album, uh, which I have an original pressing from, by the way, y'all, from 79. Had every, it's almost like every last one of these songs went to number one, followed up by Thriller. Again, I have an original pressing, but I don't have the original jacket because my aunt couldn't save it. Thank you very much, Aunt Vern. But it's just amazing. His output, his valuation of his music catalog which he basically uh, mortgaged for like a billion dollars um, before he died. I just think his music at different stages represents some of the greatest music ever made in R&B. Um, I wonder if he had lived and changed the collaborations later in life with like Chris Brown and Usher. Oh my God, it would have... I can't I can't even imagine y'all I just I'm just blown away even what's his name Justin Timberlake even Bieber if he had lived long enough and his collaboration with those stars his musicality basically influenced them positively and how much further could his influence have been I mean every boy band is influence the the um, the plan or the pattern was based on the Jackson Five. I just 
Okay, the Jackson Five. The Jackson. They went from the Jacksons to the Jack. From Jackson Five to the Jackson. Tweet lee lee doo doo. Tweet lee lee tweet lee lee doo doo. Tweet baby tweet baby. Okay, even I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. Uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. I want you back. And of course, ABC. I mean, come on. I want you back. Of course. So I just get off the phone with family members and I am annoyed by several things. I'm annoyed by the fact that people are basically tripping about very little amounts of money and people think that somebody is not going to try to pull a fast one and people especially my family will look at you dead in your face and will lie to you and they just and people think that that's okay well guess what it's not okay i think that number one i am ready for all of this the suspicion and everything to be put aside because number one i really don't have time for it i am tired of defend having to always be on the defense when i know what i am and what i can't do i it's interesting to me that the whole idea of splitting up income and that you can't trust family members and all of this suspicion and everybody is out for what they can and can't get and people think that people that people actually are dirtier are absolutely dirty they just i just am floored And you're not going to worry me to death over crumbs. I don't have time for it. And I'm tired. I'm tired of the suspicion. I'm tired of people thinking that it's okay. It's okay to be fucking dirty. And I have no... I, I don't, and I, I literally seriously don't care about any of it. And I just wonder how the Jacksons, people like the Jacksons, got through all of this, all of their success, how they divvied up proceeds and what their contract called for um, when it was obvious that Janet and Michael were just so talented. And when they just concentrated on the music, how much greater all of them would be. But it was just obvious that Michael and Janet had to look. Their brothers and sisters could have gone on to do other things. And they could have made their own way and and did have their own lives. 
but did they act like a bunch of crabs and think they deserve to share in the monetary success of the other siblings? We are only scrapping over a couple of thousand dollars and they, what if there was million dollars, a possibility of millions of dollars What could it have been if there were millions of dollars? It would have been an all-out war. But I'm thankful that it's not. And frankly, I don't give a damn. However, that's all I got to say about that. I'm just going to continue to enjoy and bop to the music because if you concentrate on the music and how it is uplifting, it basically blocks out the negativity and the stupidity that goes on. In so I've spent a day of relaxing and watching trash TV and doing some training for my job that makes no sense to me. I know how to act and I know a lot of the stuff that they're trying to put off and it's common sense and it's so stupid and a waste of time. And I'm also really aggravated that not only was I on one when I recorded that last section, it also reflects ongoing issues with the settlement of my father's estate and um, we're nine days out, and I'm just happy and lucky that it's coming to an end. I'm looking forward to this next episode, and I don't need anything. And I know it's a part of that episode is my podcast. So if there's anything that comes up <coughs> that keeps me from being able <coughs> excuse me, to produce the podcast, I'm going to have a problem with it. So... After we close the sale, my phone is going to go on off and that hit me back or put it in a text. Only if somebody's dying. I'm just going to have to put it out like that. But this next group I'm going to highlight are the Isley brothers. They're the real deal. These guys have been together for almost eight decades from according to Wiki, Wikipedia and they actually are brothers. It consisted primarily of Ronald Osley, which is infamous with this association with um, the pedophile R. Kelly, Rudolph Osley and O'Kelly Osley. Um, they're from Ohio um, and they are the longest, most influential and diverse careers in popular music. Um, I've added to my playlist uh, oh, I, no, I didn't. I will be adding Between the Sheets. Um, let me go back to the playlist itself. I should have had this already pulled up. Sorry, y'all, about taking this pause. But you can find I Want My Daddy's Records uh, playlist. Right now, it's only 15 songs, but I'm continuing to add other songs. Um it's your thing. Um, I know who you've been socking it to. And what's that? It. What was I saying? They had Twist and Shout. This was before, I believe, before they came, became the Osleys. But you may remember them from this slow jam, Between the Sheets. 
because I think that particular song, One More Chance, Between the Sheets, that's what the, one of the things I want to listen to music more so I can basically figure out who sampled who. Let's see if this is it. Yes. Yes. Faith Evans um, and I believe Biggie also sampled that uh, for for their particular remix. And I hope they, um, the Osleys got their Skrilla. Um, I've added that. And let's see. The heat is on. They split in 83. The oldest member died in 86. But their careers, as I said, spanned it like eight years and 80 years plus years. Um, amazing, amazing pantheon of work. And if I've absolutely left off um, some of their more greater hits or you want to uh, learn more about them or hear uh, more of their music, just hit me up at Timfro is reading at gmail.com or leave comments and I'll definitely add it um, to the playlist, which I plan on including uh, with the show notes for this episode. And I'm going to have to start wrapping this up because the more I get into the music, the more I... Let's have it, huh? And you too. You, I want to hear some singing out of you, old boy. <laughs> no, boy. boy is the cute stylings of a very young Silver's clan. This is another group that I'm highlighting and I can't wish to play even more of their songs because I didn't realize until I started looking up all of their hits that they, a lot of their songs have ended up in the zeitgeist and I didn't even know it was the Silver's. I remember them seeing them a couple of times, maybe on Soul Train, but then when I started looking them up for this <clears throat> podcast, they had a lot of great hits like Hotline, Boogie Fever, where they sounded kind of like the Jacksons, but they were really just themselves. Wish I Could Talk to You and Yesterday. A lot of these songs we know and sing and have been bopping to, but it's been this family of singers they actually, that was from uh, Groucho Marx and You Bet Your Life when they were no older than like eight or nine years old. 
and they did a lot of Calypso-based music at the time, um, led by their father, their mother, was a student at Xavier University in Louisiana when she met the father. They went on to have a boatload of kids that produced all of these hits through, I believe they were active. This is um, from Wikipedia, y'all. They actually were active through... <clears throat> Man, I can't. 1985. They had a couple of top 10 hits, but unlike the Jacksons, they didn't have the same notoriety or infamy. Um, They did have singular um, success with like Edmund and then Christopher. He died of hepatitis. Oh, at 18. And he was never actually a part of the family, but they disbanded uh, because their last song uh, was just so poorly received. He actually, the lead singer Edmund, would played Marlon Jackson's voice in the ABC Sunday morning cartoon, The Jackson Five. Actually, died in Richmond, Virginia, in two thousand and four at forty seven. Wow, that's wow. They actually were featured in the 2007 uh, Jet Magazine, Where Are They Now? Um, did a small show in San Francisco. And they were featured in Unsung. And they discussed their careers that a couple of them had been incarcerated. Um, and they talked about uh, politics and the music industry uh, back in uh, also, what is this, 2011, but they still did not have the singular success as they did um as <clears throat> the group had um they did have a monster success back in Japan um in the UK but never seemed to top but they could the US success of course for I'm sure a variety of reasons they never topped the success of their earlier years. And just like most black families um, in the United States, um, just existing as African-Americans in this country can be a bit tricky, but they will go on and live in infamy and have given us so many songs that have stretched across so many genres. And... Again, navigate to my I Want My Daddy's Records on iTunes um, to get the whole Boogie Fever and Hotline and Boogie On Down. I'm just saying. And I also, in the um, expanded podcast notes, you get to see these little, they call them little angels, perform uh, for Groucho Marx on 
So now we're moving on from the present curl to the Jerry curl. I have talked about the OJs, um, the transitional, the Isley brothers, um, the Silvers, the Jacksons, and now I'm rounding this all out with the Barge and Ready for the World. And I want y'all to go to my page and compare who had the best Jerry curl on the planet. I think it was Prince, but I do see how his sound was in influence Ready for the World. Although DeBarge came out in 79-80 and their sound was very similar to the popcorn bubblegum sound of Motown at the time. I do realize that they had some great music. I have my father's 12-inch Queen of My Heart. I don't know how that goes. I might have to listen to that. But feel be the rhythm of the night into the morning light and the world is on your mind you can leave all behind and if you want to listen to that not off key navigate to my i want my daddy's records itunes playlist for that as well as other non-off key songs that i've added to the family now the debarge as i said uh, is a group of brothers and sisters composed of Elder Barge, Mark, Randy, and Bunny. James joined the year that they produced their second album, and Bobby and Chico um, joined after. Who was married to Janet Jackson? Was it Chico? And it was a bit of colorism that was with that. He ended up getting... He and his brother ended up getting hemmed up on some drug charges, but that was Joe Jackson trying to keep her away from Bobby Brown. Mm, potato, potato, I don't know. I think Bobby Brown and Janet would have ruled the world, and maybe he wouldn't have gotten as badly on drugs as he with the heart attacks and strokes as with Whitney, but who knows? Um... They disbanded after 10 years, but I didn't know that their father was very abusive and abused uh, Bunny DeBarge from the time she was seven till she was 13. Um, he uh, physically and mentally abused the mom. Um, they are of mixed race, and I don't think he spared the rod on um, the guys either. And there was, I think there was allegations of not just physical abuse with Joe Jackson, but that's the thing about these huge families and these talented kids. They were at the mercy of their tyrannical fathers. And they went on to have a very successful career, although several members of DeBarge actually had uh, several run-in with the law as well as with drug abuse. And it makes me sad to know that a group with this much success uh, was there was just so much pain that surrounded their way to success. Um, how Elder Barge voice, he actually is one of the most pronounced. The uh, head lead singer um, and voice got roached.
And also, I'm reading this. Drug abuse has been long since. Also, one of them died in hospice, Bobby DeBarge, after contracting AIDS through his years of heroin addiction. Tommy DeBarge was on kidney dialysis. And he um, died of renal failure in 21. Randy and Bart, Mark DeBarge, have some incurable diseases. And James DeBarge was sentenced to prison for drug offenses. Wow. Oh, wow. And also Biggie Remix, Stay With Me. Maybe I'm going to add that. Let's see. Stay With Me from DeBarge. I don't know how that goes. Maybe I'm more familiar. I'm definitely familiar with One More Chance by Biggie because it also sampled um, a riff from um, uh, the Isleys. But what doesn't? I mean, whoever mixed, Puffy mixed all of these great songs. What does that sound like? That is so one more chance, Biggie. What the freak? Okay, I didn't even know that they sampled that. That is so stinking cool. I'm so, wow. I have to get my sync license because there's just so many songs that sample so many songs. And I'm so glad that I have access to, I mean, Wiki is not the best source of all songs, but or all history, but it is a great source. And I would have never have thought to look into that if it hadn't been for it. But stay with me, one more chance, Biggie. How deep is that? I wonder if my dad actually has that. I may have that in my other stack of records. I may just have to do a Biggie Puff Daddy remix and try to identify and have the audience try to identify. That would be so cool. Identify what bass line or what song was remixed in a Puff Daddy single. I definitely am going to do a um, a whole show dedicated to Beyonce. And when her and Jay-Z or whoever she was dating was going through some stuff because she had a whole bunch of breakup mixes. So, um, all, if y'all are down for that, I'm down for that. And then going on to Ready for the World. None of these brothers, these Jerry Curl Jews having brothers, even though their curls were the bomb, if you ask me, were not, it doesn't appear that they were related to each other. With Melvin Riley, Gordon Strozer, Gregory Potts, Willie Triplett, John Eaton, and Gerald Valentine being the original members of um, this group. And they helped us to produce such singles as oh oh sheila let me love you to the morning Sheila, and let me love you down and take all night and basically that's all i know um let's see they hail from also from Michigan. Actually, a lot of people come from Michigan. It cracks me up because I guess they had nothing but to sing and to create in Detroit because it's cold as hell. And they can't drink the water, so they had to make something 
of lemonade, had to make lemonade because they couldn't drink the water as it is because they were going to die from water. So I remember them for their curls. I remember them uh, from their influence from Sheila E. and the other uh, Jerry Curl muscle wearing mugs from that, also from that age. But these brothers were not related at all. Um, but they were in one of the supergroups from the early 80s. And I include them because I love their sound. I love their song. And I do think I have some... Sh- I did recall seeing Sheila E. And that other group that escapes me. Because their sound sounds very similar. And I remember them having jerry curls and look at having prison muscles. And I... Th- and I also used to jam to them also at a young age. Because I remember, because I was born in 71. So early 80s, I was 11 or 12. I remember I didn't have a boombox quite yet because my parents didn't split till I was a teenager. But my father does have, have included in his collection all of these samples or all of these songs from that age. And I can't wait until I go through and sort through um, the rest of my uh, collection uh, and I bring it to the public. As I said, um, it would be great Um, till you come back to listen to what I'm actually going to be able, um, um, ready for the world. Top results, albums, you know, who are the similar artists? Uh, um, if you come back, it's just that I want people, um, What is that group? I just love the the to come back and listen to what music I'm actually going to come up with, or that my seventy seven odd old father um had in his arsenal that he was ready to plat down on the world. I want y'all to basically enjoy what I have. It's not Sheila E. Oh gosh, who also which? group had jerry curls now if this bring of course nwa ice cube and them or rick james towards the end of his life had a curl 
But it was what um with other R and B group with muscles and Jerry curls. See, this is the kind of stuff the suggestion. <laughs> That full force. That's right. Bowlegged Lou from Full Force. They actually were cousins. I should have basically, if I had them um in my uh arsenal, because I do think I have the girl that was associated with full force, um with the breasts. Uh they, I, I would have included them in, because I think I did vaguely see one Full Force album, um, but, oh my God, head to toe, who's in that? Singer for, for, of, head to toe. <laughs> Lisa, Lisa, and Cult Jam. Of course. So now I can surround it all. You talk about curls. We got Ready for the World. I think the barge had the good hair, but Ready for the World, Full Force, and Lisa, Lisa, and Cult Jam. Of course I'm going to have mentioned all of them. And I'm going to, even though I did not talk about full force because they actually are related because it was cousins including that group lisa lisa cult jam i have to add them to the list just because because they were all from that group of jerry curl wearing mugs so i hope y'all enjoyed this section as much as i've enjoyed producing it Because a couple of days ago, uh, Queen Elizabeth II, one of the longest reigning monarch, um, passed away at the ripe old age of 96. And if you had asked me after her long-term husband, she had been married to Prince Philip for over 70 years. Was she going to even last this long? Because it looked like in the last several months that she had started to fail that I, that she would have lasted, I would have said probably so. She had some unfinished business. She had to get her business affairs in order, had to get that old hatchet face Camilla appointed queen's consort. She had to make sure her son, who's a British fop, looking longingly at her crown as he opened up parliament this year and who actually took on Charles III even though the first two Charleses I think were beheaded you know I just I don't think he knows how to read the room but how can you follow his mother 
I mean, the other longest serving queen was his great, great, great grandmama, Victoria, who I admired. But her death ushers in 10 days of mourning and leads up to what I'm sure to be a majestic funeral. And they've been probably planning it since she was uh, crowned back in 53. I'm watching the news kind of incredulous. I'm getting little snippets of her life and I'm looking over my blog post and I'm realizing that I, even though there has been an anti-monarchy movement that has gained ground in the last decade, I am very pro this family because I like the majesty, I like the tradition, and even though I'm not black, I'm not white, I just think it's cool. Look at this chick. Besides POTUS, Forever POTUS, and maybe Reagan, she has 75% approval rating at her death. She single-handedly saved the monarchy from oblivion. And even though the whole messiness of colonization and racism probably started with them, you have to tell me that con- uh, convocation hat wearing grandmama, gangster jeep driving grandmama was the bomb. And everybody admired her and wanted to be like her and tried to be like her, illegally or not legally. I will place... King Charles's, because he's now Charles III, speeches to her at the opening of the Platinum Jubilee. I attended the Diamond Jubilee back in 2012. And she was in her 80s then, but she was just so vibrant. And it was obvious that she was ready to go. Um, and also uh, Prince William, who is now upgraded to the Prince of Wales. O-M-G. I wonder if his mother ever imagined that. I'm still tripped out about Princess Diana would have definitely made a better queen than that fool, um, Camilla. But I know that's tacky saying that, but that's just how I feel. And how proud Diana would be of her sons and even in their choice of women, even though they obviously, I don't think they get along. And she would have had a grand old time with her old unruly grandkids. I remember the race she did at uh, Williams School and how she dragged those women. And she was just so carefree and so young and they so weren't ready for her. But we can't look back. We can only look forward because we're going to bump into a brick wall. We got to keep going forward. I don't know if Charles is going to be the usher in of a new, more enlightened age of the monarchy, or if there's going to be more of the same. I don't know. It's not for me to notice. It's just for me to sit back over here in America, in Tennessee, and enjoy the show. And we're day two of the celebration that's going to last 10 days. And I'm going to be, and it's so wild that I'm excited about watching a funeral. How macabre is that? So I feel as if I need to be true to my podcast and simply talk about those things 
focus on things that I'm reading and also on black positivity. One of the things that I've noticed and I envy from the people that uh, are on my trash TV watching is relationship and the meaning of family and support and how all of these people are just so in tune and invested in their kids. And they seem to be good parents, even though they are trash human beings to other adults. I hope that the kids don't pick up on that because the kids seem to be beautiful and sweet. So I really haven't been doing a whole bunch of traditional reading. Um, I get New York Magazine and The Cut. And on this week's New York Magazine, they call it the special issue of The Cut. And cut make Princess Cousin Megan is on the front of that. She's a fashion icon in her own right. Um, and her and her the other princess, uh, Kate, of Middleton, um, they have all these kids and they just skinny as all get out. I just don't get it. I don't know if they're vegan or what, but I just need pork. I say that as I am marinating overnight my pork shoulder uh, for my Haitian griot tomorrow. Pork griot tomorrow. Young Tina Snow, real hard on the hoe. That is Tina Snow or Megan Thee Stallion getting on the floor featuring Jay Alphonse from one of my favorite TV shows, P-Valley. This is Jay Alphonse as my favorite, Little Murder. And it is Megan Thee Stallion at her best. Um, and this is where I'm probably going to make my two uh, black excellence goes out to both her um, and cousin, the other Megan. I just realized Megan with just the G and Megan with the GH both are on the special issue of the New York magazine. Um, this is a feature mat, uh, make the first Megan with just with the G. Um, is written by she's over being Miss Nice because bitches don't respect that. Um, and I'm on my fuck you shit, bitch. I'm done being nice. I don't think twice when it comes to cutting people off. She's over this whole um, lack of dislo lack of loyalty. I remember Big T comment um, and Pico. Uh, being, uh, he's just tired of disloyal ass nig niggas, which I think was so funny that I'm bringing everything back to B Valley. I based all of my clifferisms, my ghetto risms, break slide. Why don't you break me off my five stacks? Why don't you just slide me my five stacks then? How about that? I talk now like I'm from. Fictional Chuckalisa, aka Memphis, Tennessee, aka the Deep South. And I'm so not hood, which is his completely hysterical. But she gets real 
in this feature um, going over her musical uh, journey, how she evolved uh, from performing as a character with Tina Snow with the blonde wig probably not being as um, is closer to her than some of her other characters that she's performed as. Um, and she's gone through a lot in the last couple of week, couple of years. She has a whole bunch of record executives that don't expect, don't want her to fly. She got a punk ass hood uh, label that's taking credit for all the hard work that she and her mom did. Holly Thomas, um, she is stands at a regal five foot ten, and it seems like the bras just can't get that out of. And she dares to wear caricaturally high heels, and they hate her for that. And she has body yadi yadi, and she is blowing them out of the water with her stylistic lyrics. She's just absolutely amazing. Um, I really like reading this because she actually had, she's, and it looks like she's probably going to have a recurring role on P-Valley. I didn't know that she had tried out for the Mercedes character, but she says she is glad she wasn't ready to be Mercedes. And I can't see anybody but Brandy Evans tearing up that role. So with that said, the other side just shows uh, Princess Cousin Megan uh, looking her flyest in all of her royal fabulousness from Manolo Bolonics sitting on the aged bench, looking far away like she is a Oscar de la Renta model. She is absolutely one gorgeous girl. Um, and I can't wait to see how her kids are going to end up. I think they're going to be a pleasant mix of both her and Prince Cousin Harry. So we'll invite both of them to the barbecue. But Black Excellence, mad shout out to Megan, Princess Cousin Megan and Megan the Salian. One with the G, one with the GH, both as fabulous. Also, I like what I've been watching and listening to. Um, this next session is purely dedicated to garbage TV watching. If you don't have a cocktail in your hand, please get one. I'm going to be sipping on probably a little bit later um, some type of uh, mixed drink with tequila. Probably I'm thinking about mixing up this blueberry uh, margarita joint. I'll take pictures and um, include it in the extended podcast notes, but cheers, y'all. So what's been also going on with me in my popular life? Um, I finally tested negative for COVID on Saturday. I should do the air horns for that, but I'll just mouth it. I'm just saying. Um, but... I found, also found out COVID is not gone yet. And anybody that is not doing all they can do to keep from getting it or keep from spreading it, they got to be cognizant of 
the danger of exposing someone that is immunocompromised to COVID. Number one, it can wreak havoc on them depending on the type of cancer or immunosuppression that they have. And two, they may test neg positive longer, even though the, the virus is deactivated, it still can wreak havoc on them. And it can also keep them from getting the needed therapy that they need because nobody's going to let them up in that place if they have tested positive. So y'all be careful. Mind your P's and Q's, wear your mask, wash your hands. And if it's in the age of COVID, it's not just the sniffles or your allergies. Just do the damn test and do it right, okay? But as I recovered from COVID, I discovered different things to uh, pass the time. I'm into the whole love and hip hop franchises and I discovered that I have access to love and hip hop um, New York through my uh, Prime um, subscription. And I've been binge watching the first several seasons of that. And I've also got caught up today on Love and Hip Hop Atlanta and Love and Hip Hop Miami. And I realized that Love and Hip Hop Atlanta, I thought it it is almost an exact copy of Love and Hip Hop um, New York, the original, because some of the main characters uh, or personalities from that series are on Love and Hip Hop um, Atlanta. And, but they're just a little bit older. It seems that there is a character from Love and Hip Hop New York, Tandy, who married Mendici, who got like a six-year bid. And there's all this baby mama drama. They think she's fake and they're boxing back and forth. But that has spilled over. Mendici has been released and that has spilled over um, into Atlanta because I don't I think it's because it's released and he's getting back into the music scene. And Tandy is a, um, I don't know if she's a publicist or just a manager or a combination of both, but the baby mama drama is still going on. And Atlanta is messy because, um, oh, what's his name? Street Safari is also down there and jock is getting married but having baby mamas and more babies um and his now new wife knows about it um it's just a whole hot mess and i'm watching love and hip-hop miami right now and trick daddy actually has a pretty popular cooking show on youtube is bitch i got my pots and it's hysterical because he drops little gems about why are you going to pick on people for like the way a uh, princess cooks ox cooked oxtails and she got dragged online because she made it the Filipino way, which is bulalo. Um, and he basically has his own recipe um, and he gives you little gems of support. Um, I'm watching, uh, watched a part of the episode where he is going to have on, I think it is Safari and somebody else, and Lexi. Um, and he's cooking yellowfin. 
Um, and he's handling that knife like a G. He, he said something about he handled a knife like uh, a baby mama chasing her boy through the neck, the hood. Very funny. Um, those are the types of, it seems like one trash TV watching leads to more trash TV watching, but it's all entertaining because these people are doing the most, but they're making the best of their situation. Um, I can't really say that about Drink Champs, Noriega's show, um, or the podcast, other podcasts that have spun off from these uh, particular shows. Um, I didn't or hadn't really gotten into Love and Hip Hop Hollywood because it did too much damn talking. The only interesting thing is when Safari came out there and blew through there for a minute. But this Remy Ma, um, I watch her on True Crime. Um, this week's episode, now that I've watched all of her, she was a recurring favorite um, on Love and Hip Hop New York. And she did a long bit, and not for fighting or aggravated assault. So I think her voice is very distinct. It took her, and the, with the support of her husband, Pap, um, about a year to go from the pen to uh, getting her Grammy, Grammy nominated um, and platinum album not too long after that. And it also showed me that contrary to what uh, Billboard and a lot of these other, uh, the, with the, they would like us to believe uh, the more mainstream uh, platforms hip-hop is alive and well and there are many many female MCs doing the thing no they're not platinum selling stadium packing out like cardi nikki or megan but there are a lot of people doing it grinding and getting seriously paid um from what you would what i have seen and noticed on these particular shows which even for all this mess it is to me, a celebration of hip hop and black culture and also um, distinct cultural appropriation. And it's kind of hysterical that Safari uh, is a mainstream artist, but he, he got booed off stage at some show in New York. And there is a character, Florence DeLecce, on Miami that has also got, she's a uh, claimed herself to be the queen of Soka. Um, and she's had a on and on again, off again, beef with these other stars, Haitian stars down in Miami. And she got booed off the stage in Orlando, but that was a setup. Um, now I'm up to the point where uh, Gael and Marlon, Gael is Florence's sister, and Marlon is the trashy husband. Um, Gael is revealing um, the affair that she had with her sister's husband. Um, and the new management basically told her she's going to have to get rid of her clown team, current clown team, and she's going to have to get rid of Marlon or separate their business relationship because he, he is using her to build up his own career. Um, but he's also dragging her down. She doesn't need him. He needs her. 
but he is going to be the death of her career if they don't separate is the bottom line. It's all kind of sad and it's all very messy and it's also very disgusting because he's still lying, still lying. So this is a way where she's gonna have to disconnect herself from her toxic sister and she's gonna have to get rid of this uh, cheating bitch ass of a husband. I said it and that's all I got to say on that. So now on to other, my other part of the show that I've really, really absolutely adore, um, donkeyness. Um, I don't really want to spend so much time on nonsense, but this whole thing, I didn't even watch. I don't really watch videos like that. And I realized just how much out of music I have been for a number of years. And it hadn't been until I inherited my father's uh, record collection that I realized that I have, I'm missing something or I feel as if I'm missing something. Um, meaning my whole, my issue with, um, cause I just didn't have time or I, and then with the pandemic, I wasn't really in my car. And that's why I realized that most of my music listening came through listening to the radio, but because I don't have to drive to work anymore, I haven't driven to work since like 2019. So there's a lot of time that I do not spend in my car. And then I start, when I am in my car, I listen to podcasts mostly. Go figure. So when this came up, there is a guy, um, a comedian by the name of Ari Spears. I had to look up who he was because I looked at him. I kept looking at him, look at him without him. He looked, and I and I hate body shaming because I'm a big girl. But he looked like a round milk dud, but something was familiar about his face. And I was like, oh, yeah, Jerry Maguire. He is the player-hating brother of Cuba Gooding's character, Show Me the Money character. So, and... He made this horrible comment about how Lizzo has a pretty face, but he can't get over the fact that her body looks like the poop emoji. I need you to navigate to my um, uh, podcast notes. And I have a side-by-side of Lizzo, that fool, and the poop emoji. And who looks like the fucking poop emoji? Lizzo is in amazing shape. She dances for hours during her comedic shows. His fatness and body shape is due to gluttony and he refuses to work out. And I beg to differ that he is projecting his own atrocious body on a woman who is body positive. And it, she is, they come after Lizzo just like they come after Meg. Um, 
because she is positive and she's strong and extremely talented. These weak ass niggas that look like the piece of shit that they are come after them reflecting their own insecurity and infirmities. And they all, they all need to be ashamed of themselves. This fool really needs to be ashamed of himself for saying that girl, how dare you? And, and, and project you. And he looks just like that poop emoji. So the donkey of the day goes to this fool, Aerie Spears, um, and you really need to navigate to the podcast notes because he does look like just exactly like that poop emoji thing, girl. Okay, I'm confused. I'm watching House of the Dragons and this crab feet mug and what dragon is this? I'm confused. It's not the cute dragon. Who is in control of this dragon, y'all? He ain't saving nobody. What in the world? Is he a dragon, rogue dragon? Or is this that fool? Tarjean, I don't know, Gip. I don't know. I am thinking I like more than the dragons in this show. I wish I could see much more of them. I'm kind of torn between, I don't know if this is Daenerys or Viserys or Viseria, the call for honor and duty, how she's a princess named Air, but she knows nobody. Everybody is player hating her, but they are underestimating her. She basically killed a wild boar with her bare hands, and she and the king's guard, who she should be marrying, hunted it down while they held the big old stag, which was so CGI, it didn't really look real at all, um, and how they held him so he could uh, bury a glorified sword or stick into this dude, the little neck of the stag. And they actually saw the white stag, which she saved or she wouldn't let the king's guard um couldn't wouldn't let the king's guard uh kill him but what i am having an issue with is how she is so blonde she is so severely caucasian that it makes it really difficult for me to like her but i will go online and look for first editions of this book series because I'm wondering just how detailed it is and how far away from the storyline this the teleplays are. So this is me being a punk ass because there's no way I would be rolling around risking being poisoned and risking infection uh, for like tularemia or something else crazy um, in this time. I'm not... I'm not that dutiful, and I guess I'm one of those disloyal mugs because there's no way I could serve a realm that would not believe in me and that would continue to underestimate me. You know what I'm saying? You know, the uncle Targaryen is doing the most. He is acting real crazy and causing trouble and acting like a petulant bully. And it wouldn't shock me if she's going to have to go against him to basically 
subdue him before he rips apart the kingdom that he wants to rule. But what is he trying to rule? A graveyard? I mean, it's ridiculous. This daemon reminds me a lot of King Henry VIII, how the brother was a greater king than he. He is ruled more by passion, even though less by smarts and wits. Okay, y'all, what's up with the surrender? It didn't look like they were losing. It looked like they had the um, dragon. So is this a ruse and he's going to kill him? I don't know. This just feels like a double cross because he do got power over the dragon. He ain't giving up shit, but he fights dirty. I knew it. That old dirty Damon. He crazy. Bloodlust. I don't know. So both of the hunts and reimaginings and clarification, you know, just rebirth of the Daenerys and her uncle's characters. They could have both died and probably should have died, but they be crossed over into some of this new awareness. Very graphic, very bloody, definitely overkill. And the crab feeder torso that the uncle drags up as they win the war that they were supposed to lose just proves the power of makeup as well as CGI because it was very graphic. But it was, in a lot of respects, it was just like how violent the birth of and the death of when Daenerys' mother died after the cesarean section and they basically gutted that woman like an animal and she bled out on that bed and the, the kid still died anyways. All of those things were sacrifices. The disembowelment of the crab feeder, it was just a lot of imagery to basically sort through. The third episode was just, ex wasn't just wanton violence. It was a reassertion of who the both of the Tardarians are. And the king all up in his feelings wondering if he made the right decisions. And it looks like he did. He following the wrong oaths or the wrong signs, but it is obvious that the daughter is the right leader. And it, so, it still kills me that the council members are still plotting and throttling and just rotten because they all want to secure, for selfish reasons, they just want to secure their position and their family's position. They don't care about the well-being of the kingdom. They're just in it for their own well-being, which I find appalling, but there goes ultimate power. It's actually, I guess the storyline is very simple. 
the imagery is just is more powerful and this show is on my top list of watches and if anybody is having a great drink I'm actually um, trying this blueberry margarita I think I made too much of it because I'm gonna have to put this in the refrigerator before I go to bed it's like 7 30 so I'm ready to go to bed but it's all good So that's how we're going to end this episode. And I'm going to end it with a a positive word. I used to scoff at people making this statement because maybe because of its simplicity or maybe because it sounded more like an admonishment that I was being everything but kind. But then when I started investigating it for myself, that's when I realized that I was confusing politeness with kindness. Politeness is a fake superficial manner in which there's no required investment, no self-reflection. But being kind is an adjective. It is, on, it is an action. If you're kind to yourself first, it's like exercise memory. You will continue and be kind to others. Let that sit with you for a while. I'm going to try to be kind to myself. I'll be kind to others. It's very simple, and you got to repeat it. Lean into the spirit of a new year by counting your blessings, giving to others, and spreading happiness. I know I will. And this episode or this podcast is my means to spread joy and happiness and light and enlightenment. There's so much going on with aggression and um, just meanness. But if I can leave you with one small positive thought, start your day with that that can change everything for you and and just basically change your day don't forget to check out dale's angels inc for notes on this podcast as well as other works by cqm in um that are and other contributors that are in work or in um being edited right now um also, check out my Instagram feed, Tenfro is Reading. You can check me out on Facebook, Tenfro is Reading Book Club, as well as my YouTube channel, Tenfro is Reading and Eating. And what I'm just chatting and streaming um, at TV Food Wine Girl on Twitter. Uh, navigate to Writer's Block Coffee or shipabagaddicts.com. Use my promo code Tenfro Coffee or Tenfro Got Jokes, respectively, to get a percentage off of your order. Don't forget to drop me a line at temporalwasreading at gmail.com. Um, all non-trolling messages may be actually uh, read online, and you can do the same if you are in Podbean or Anchor or wherever you listen to the podcast. And again, shedding light and positivity. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I've enjoyed creating it. Until next time, bye.